You're listening to Rabbit Radio, the official podcast of FC Edmonton. Well, uh, a very, very large hello to everybody out there. It's Rabbit Radio, the official podcast of FC Edmonton, coming to you live from the first round sports restaurant in downtown Edmonton. It has been a while. I know we did one. Well, a couple of weeks ago, long, yeah. it didn't really didn't really amount to anything. Uh, mainly because did you put it up? No. Well, uh, here, here's the reason. Here's <laughs> the a nice afternoon. Behind, here's the reasoning behind all of this. I had a computer and it exploded on me, so I purchased another computer. But I didn't do that until just recently. So all the data that I needed to make this function correctly was on the old computer. I have been able to salvage that hard drive and, and get all the information that I needed. So anyways, long story short, between all the work that we do at FC Edmonton, and in particular the people that are involved in the podcast, uh, it's been a real tough time finding time to get in and do these podcasts. So we are here, Andreas Morris, yep. Jeff Paulus, yep. and our guest today is uh, Jay Ball, the general manager of the club. Um, a few others here. Jamie Umba, how are you, sir? Good. Yeah, he yells it in the background. Uh, produ- produ- <laughs> producer extraordinaire. We're expecting a, <laughs> we're hoping for a, a youth guest to pop in here, but we will uh, see how that goes. So topics of the day are going to be um, a lot of what goes on at, at the head office, in particular the, the rise in the gate uh, for FC Edmonton matches, uh, some of the experiences that go on within the stadium, and... Uh, how that translates to getting out in the community and how out in the community that translates again back to bums and seats. Um, we're going to touch on the youth programs uh, with FC Edmonton along with the Canada Games uh, team from Alberta, uh, which was at least 14 players involved from the academy uh, on, the, um, on the Alberta team. And, uh, you know, as we can, we'll try and touch base with a little bit of uh, CanPL stuff or NASL, of course, with the team and all that sort of stuff. So let's, let's start it off right away. Jay Ball, we're going to uh, launch over to yourself and uh, let's, let's talk a bit about that rise in the gate. We've seen uh, lots more action within the concourse and, and around the stadium. Uh, and that's all in part with what goes on at the head office and what you're doing with the staff there. How's, how's things going? Good. I think that if you were to compare gates this year compared to last year, we're up 70% um, as of this morning, actually, because I checked the attendance as related to everything for last year. It's related to, you know, the biggest piece, the biggest change is, is Friday and Saturday night games. Yeah. It, no pun intended but it is a game changer. Once the city said, okay, we're going to give you these specific nights, it, it enabled us to take a, the game and turn it into an event. And that, and that is really what our fans want, right? Is, is, as we've said this quite often in the front office, is <clears throat> when people come to the gate, they're not coming to just a soccer match. They're actually coming to an event. And our job is to immerse them into, into entertainment into, and to engage them throughout the entire time they walk into the gate to the time they leave. And from the bench, all I can speak for is, is the different, you can really hear it sound-wise, um, as far as obviously more people within the stadium, but you can hear all the special things that go on, whether it's, uh, you can notice when, you know, t-shirts are being fired into the crowds, or it's just different things that go on around the stadium. You actually hear it from the bench, and, and it's great. It's just great to hear that atmosphere, and as well as that, you, you know, all the people that are enjoying the match as well. We've talked about this before. It has to be loud. It, this, uh, the soccer experience has to be different from something you would experience at Rogers. It has to be different from something you would experience at Commonwealth. If that's what people want. They want a different experience. And so that's what we do. I mean, it's a show. Uh, in fact, this game yesterday against Puerto Rico was, again, one of our best polished and productions, right? I mean, everybody has slid into the role uh, that they, they, they do well, and you know, we know exactly what happens. From the time that the gates open, the entire you know, 90 minutes to two hours is completely scripted. We know what happens when, even, even things like the t-shirt throws, those things are scripted at a specific point in time in the, um, on, on match clock, right? At, mm-hmm. you know, at the 50 minute mark, I know exactly what Lara is doing with her fan team. And that's done not to, you know, honestly, it's not just to get fans screaming and yelling. It's actually to provide them, you know, a great experience and yeah. and, and give them some swag, too. Doing that makes a big difference, too, because from what I've noticed, the change is you've always had that support from the supporters group. And mm-hmm. 
uh, but now it's leaked towards the other end too. It's kind of gone all the way throughout the stadium. So it's nice that you don't just have that one end that's singing their songs. It's always nice to have them yeah. singing their songs, but now without them, you still have an atmosphere in that stadium now just because of what Lara and her team is doing, I think. Yeah, I, that's the point is um, you have a supporters group at the end and they do a great job, but you know we have Big Blue, the Big Blue... Uh, uh, grandstand. There's about 2,000 people that sit there, and when it's full, you have to find a way to get them up and get them loud and, and continue to stay that way. And so what we're doing is not unlike anything that any other pro, spe- pro sports team has done. Uh-huh. That's, that's what that world is. You have to do those things in the community, in the, um, sorry, during the game to engage those fans. Yeah. It's, it's been definitely uh, just it's just so nice to sit there and hear the audience that you're, you know, you're playing for, and, and to hear that enormous reverberation of uh, of sound through, throughout the stadium mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. makes a big difference. Who, I mean, who cares if we hear it? But as long as the players are, uh, if if they're affected by it, as long as it's in a positive way, that's a good thing for sure. Well, I, th- I, th- I think it is. I mean, you can you can see some of that energy that comes from. Uh, uh, from the screams and yells, the you know, players picking it up a little bit, or so it seems. Uh, maybe it's just me uh, imagining things, but it, it's definitely something you can you can see from a from perspective on the bench. The what you hear is actually part of the mission of the front office, right? And Jamie's here, and he can attest to the fact that you know, around once a month, we are, the whole front office gets together for what we call a, a bit of a strategic planning meeting, and uh, there's actually another, another title for it. But the, the reality is, is, we have we revisit the mission of the front office, and that and the mission is is uh, the roar of the crowd. Those four words, right? Yeah. And the idea is to ensure that um, sponsors. Ownership, players, fans, technical staff, everybody hears the roar of the crowd. And in order to do that, you can't just throw t-shirts. you got to make sure that the stadium is full as well, mm-hmm. right? So that mission started last year. It uh, started to come to fruition once we hit some record sales with uh, season seats. And then, which once we hit, you know, we're well over 1,000 season seats to uh, this year in the stadium, which is huge. It's quadrupled numbers from last year. That's great. And once you do that, it puts us at less than 3,000 seats that we need to sell on a game-by-game basis. Mm -hmm. It's 4,096 seats in the stadium. So with well over 1,000 to sell, uh, I mean, sorry, already sold for season seats, less than 3,000, makes our job a lot more easier, right? Yeah. So... So um, you got to get them, get them loud, but you have to fill the stadium. Jay, years ago we went to city council and Tom talked in front of them about the need for, a, at that time, a soccer-specific stadium. Not even a soccer-specific stadium, a soccer stadium that could be multi-use or it could be soccer-specific. It was, you know, whatever we could get. Uh, they came back to us and said, you know, we understand what you're looking for, but you need to show us that you've got support in order for us to move forward with anything. So until you show us that you can sell out that stadium on a you know semi-regular basis, then come back to us and we'll have a conversation. Well, it seems now that we're starting to do that. Has there been any kind of talk about um, uh, any kind of future stadium or uh, soccer specific in the city, anything? At this point, no. The reality is, is uh, let me just go back to the first point you made about the city council saying you guys have to demonstrate that demand. That's a fair point, absolutely. Because sure. if we're going to go back to the city and say, okay, we need help turning the existing Clark yeah, stadium could be. into something yeah. bigger, then we need to have that business case behind us. Mm-hmm. That discussion hasn't happened this year yet because we're just we just finished the spring season. We're now getting into the fall season. Two thirds of the year, of the way is done already, right? Mm-hmm. And so I anticipate that those discussions will continue to happen as we get into closer to December, right? Yeah. Of what the stadium looks like next year, what other kind of things can we do in the mm-hmm. stadium to add value to the fans? Um, <clears throat> personally, I actually see great opportunity for Clark. I think that um, if we went the full degree and actually worked with the city to upgrade minor football, junior football, and put them in Commonwealth, a football stadium, and then gave the uh, uh, then actually positioned Clark Stadium as a an actual soccer stadium, mm-hmm. like the home of minor soccer, the home of FC Edmonton, mm-hmm. which I think fans need to relate to, and I'll talk about that later. But that discussion, I think, is going to come. I think yeah. it's going to come sooner than later. And do you think it's um, do you think uh, 
if forever it's been um, the, the football, and I'm talking the American football community, that's been the, the real vocal community. And minor soccer has just kind of said, oh, we'll take what we can get and we'll be happy with it. Do you see that changing? Do you see minor soccer making a push to, to the city saying, you know, we would benefit from, you know, saying this is actually for soccer and that is actually for football? Do I you see I, that I, speaking I, up? I don't see minor soccer doing it just yet. Here's the history with the stadium. It was built 50 years ago specifically yeah, for football. Sure. And I've sat in a room with football representatives and, and they've asked us, why all of a sudden do you want Friday and Saturday nights? Right. And you, you just have to say, listen, my job is to sell tickets. I can't really do it on Sundays, right? So uh, things change, right? Uh, football back in, you know, 50 years ago was one of the great sports, uh, one of the great most, most played sports in the community next to hockey. Um, it's not that way anymore. It, it, the community has evolved. Sports has evolved. And now soccer, as you know, has, be, has become, I mean, it has been the world's greatest and most played sport for many, many, many decades. But in Canada and in Edmonton now, it's just overtaken hockey and football combined times two on an annual basis, right? Mm-hmm. So um, it's just, that's just the evolution of the use of those facilities. There's more kids that, that just simply need, need that home and need a stadium. And, and just to relate it back to FC Edmonton, I believe that in the pro sports world, fans need a facility to relate to. So Rogers is the home of, Commonwealth is the home of, yeah. FC Edmonton, or Clark Stadium is the home of, FC Edmonton Junior Football, mm. High School Football, etc. Right? I think it just needs to be... I, th- I think that needs to be a soccer stadium. However, that doesn't happen overnight. It happens with some commu- a lot of communication, collaboration, a uh, little bit of negotiation. And at the, end, at the end of the day, you know, we're working with some great people of the city right now who, who kind of see what we're doing. And they're really open to a lot of the, some of the, the new things that we're doing there. So who knows what will happen, right? Mm-hmm. There's a lot of things that are going to happen over the next, yeah. you know, 60 days to, to six months as we lead into next year. And mm-hmm. that'll dictate everything, I think. Yeah. I mean, it could be a jewel, honestly. In, 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 I think in, it is. In, oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, compared to the other stadiums that we've traveled to, Jeff, you've been to all of them. Um, we're up there. Clark is up there with, with oh, yeah. one of the better facilities in, in the NASL. Anyway. Yeah, sure it is. Everything about it, actually. And now with the, with the atmosphere we have this year... Uh, size of the pitch, the quality of the turf, the locker rooms are massive. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's. I agree. Yeah. There's there's some really simple things that you can do with the seating. Um, you take big blue and just wrap it all the Absolutely. way around, right up to where the tunnel is. I think we'd have some challenges on the other side with our big screen and stuff. But if you just wrap big blue round, so you I have think a horseshoe. Basically. Totally, yeah. yeah. I, th- I think you'd have an extra three thousand seats just by doing that. I right? think so. Yeah, sure. probably. And so then that pushes it us, us up to seven thousand seats right there. And atmosphere-wise, closing off one of the ends with stands that, and oh, fans yeah. being there is get, would make a massive noise ambiance. Yeah, aesthetically too, like experience. You see the road behind the stadium. If you close it off, now it really looks like oh, oh that's yeah. an intimate yeah. little setting. You make setting fans. There. You make fans. So from a venue management perspective you make fans walk underneath the stadium to come up into their sections like they do in other in other places it gives just a whole new feel to to the field itself right so yeah mm-hmm. absolutely and and part of that push to to get people with in the stadium and things comes from going out in the community so it was uh, something uh, which was very prevalent this year and and it's been prevalent for the last couple of years getting out into the community and uh Clinics, things like that. Having the players get out there and uh, and meet the and meet the kids, you know, in varying spots around Edmonton and outlying areas. What's what's been going on in that regard? Have we come to sort of an end of that, just timing wise, and uh, or is it continuing on? So actually, we're we're halfway through our clinics for the okay. year. We this year we decided to do. What did we do last year? I think it was like 10 clinics. I remember coming into the organization and finding out that we're doing these soccer clinics. I didn't know anything about them. The staff said, come to the first one, you'll understand it. And I remember pulling up with the trailer because I'm the only guy that had the truck, right? I pull up <laughs> and there was an hour ahead of time and there was probably 20, maybe 30 families just waiting already. And so last year we finished it off and nine or 10 clinics, that's nice. This year we wanted to do a lot more. So we're, I think we have between 30 and 40 that are Wow. Running. So Fantastic. every week starting, for every we do Tuesdays and Wednesdays. So tomorrow night, I'm pulling the trailer to another clinic somewhere, and we go. We uh, so the partnership is actually between the club and the uh, the minor soccer zone. The zone donates the fields for us, mm-hmm. and then what we do is we give them first right. They open up uh, the registration for the clinic to their membership, and then after it's full on their end, then we open up to the public, right? And so we we ran clinics.
clinics this year from, from uh, June, uh, from two weeks, June, all the way into September. We're going to the end of September with our oh. outdoor clinics. So you're finding so, that, sorry, go ahead, Jay. And, it, it, and, and as I see it, this is probably the most valuable out-of-stadium stuff that we do. I'm there. I've been to every one this year. Believe me, because I'm the guy that's got to pull the trailer. <laughs> You're the one right? pulling the trailer. I'm there at all of them, and I absolutely love it. You got 80 kids show up. You got 50, 70 parents standing around watching. It gives us the ability to engage the parents, and above everything, you got these amazing academy kids that come up and they and they do the clinics. They run the clinics. And so to these kids, and this year we focused on all U10, U8, that age group, right? Um, specifically. Um, because they're young enough so that when they look up to the academy kids, they, they're right away, they're role models and mentors, right? Exactly. And those academy kids do such an awesome job in, of instructing, and they make it fun. Um, but I believe that the, the clinic piece falls into the most important pillar of our business, and that's, uh, that's advocacy. I think that the club has a role and a responsibility to be um, a vocal a champion of growing the game. So how do you do it? You really don't do it through advertising and, and, and those pieces. You really do it by living the value of growing the game. Go into the community. And by the way, all these community, these clinics, they're free. They're at no cost mm-hmm. to the families. They're put together. They're at no cost to the families, but they're, they're sponsored by, you know, our sponsors are AMA Rewards and, you know, Canadian Tire and ATB Financial and Brookfield Residential, et cetera, right, yeah. in the FAF group. But um, we do that to make sure that the, advoca- the advocacy piece is, is uh, it, it really is the biggest driver. Actually, the advocacy piece is the biggest driver of ticket sales. Wow. It is. And so we, we used to sit around this table and we used to talk about how we want to, we only have 4,000 seats to sell. Now it's 3,000 on a game-by-game basis. And we used to talk about, okay, we want to target the minor soccer community because, again, it's such a large community. But the reality is we don't target that community anymore. It's, it's we just pick the community, we pick the organization that we want to have the greatest impact on. So by allowing kids to come into the stadium with their jerseys on, get their autographs at the end of the game, which the autograph piece is advocacy as well because for the first time they actually get to, you know, get up close and personal to, you know, a professional sports player, mm-hmm. et cetera. So anyways, that, that advocacy is, is, uh, is sometimes, at the, in terms of all the things that we do in advocacy, it's, it's the least amount of things we check off, but it gets us the greatest amount of volume well, that's by huge. far. That's huge. I yeah, mean, when, and, uh, does, and it translates, obviously. I mean, we see it. Oh, yeah. We've seen the difference now. Like the, do you remember uh, we did the Girls in Soccer Initiative, Girls in Soccer Night, uh, back in the spring. Probably, I think it was May 27th or something. Mm-hmm. We brought in Diana Matheson from the Canadian Women's National Team. We held a couple exclusive events with her and some kids. And the reason we did that is, you know, uh, girls' registration in minor soccer is dropping right across the board. So how do we, you know, how do you combat that? Well, you bring in an awesome role model and, and mentor. You bring her in and you give her the opportunity to engage with young girls in the community. Um, and you know what we do? <coughs> With our clinics as well, we also have we have the boys, uh, U50, uh, the, the boys come out. We also have the girl, the Rex program come out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so what we do is, is uh, Paul Kelly, who's the academic uh, advisor to the academy, he um, we identify all the the girls that are there for the clinic. We put them all together with the girls, with the Rex uh, right. uh, girls, and then and they leave that right. Are you finding Jay that when you offer to the clubs? First right of refusal, are you seeing that they are filling those spots or is it 50-50 public to... to they're, fill, they're starting to fill them now. They are. They're starting to fill them now. Because you know what we would do last year, and this is no secret, it's public, we, we asked zones and minor soccer groups to, uh, to uh, buy a lot of tickets last year, mm-hmm. like zones especially. This year we really haven't done that. We right. haven't gone to them. They're now coming to us and saying, okay, we see you're a partner in the community, we see you're trying to help us and help grow the game. So... Um, you know, the that's that's that conversation now. It's a little bit different. Yeah, that's great. That's great. It seems you turned that corner for sure. Starting to. Yeah. There's still lots of work to do, yeah, right? Yeah, of course. Never ends. People have long memories. you got to pull more trailers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Set it up around. Okay, get a couple of trailers going. I guess someone else would need a truck. Jamie, you going to get a truck? No. No. Uh, On that note, we're actually going to take our uh, first break here on Rabbit Radio. And when we come back, uh, we'll we'll delve a little bit into the, uh, well, not a little bit, we'll delve quite a bit into the youth program, uh, the Canada Summer Games, uh, which included a lot of our youth academy players, and uh, and lots more, whatever we can uh, help to fill the gap with. All right, so uh, this is Rabbit Radio coming to you live from the Sports Round First Restaurant in downtown Edmonton. We'll be right back. 
listening to Rabbit Radio, the official podcast of FC Edmonton. And we're back, uh, Rabbit Radio, the official podcast of FC Edmonton, coming to you from the what is it? It's the first round sports restaurant in downtown Edmonton. Yes, you haven't heard me say that in a while, at least for a few minutes. Um, <laughs> we're going to slide right into. The FC Edmonton uh, Academy program, our, our youth end of things, and uh, talk uh, talk about the Academy. We kind of wrapped things up this past week um, with our final... Our, our Academy plays in the Edmonton um, Premier Men's League, and uh, the kids did well. We had a couple of times during uh, this season where we didn't have a full complement of, uh, of players, so we bring in youth players that are trialists for the Academy. And uh, they fare well within these matches, but uh, you know can find the competition a little bit strong. And, and um, anyway, we ended up in third this year. Is what I, was, I think I was getting at. The top two teams in the, in each uh, league here, and then the one in Calgary uh, move on to provincials. Uh, we've been in provincials the last couple of years for sure, and have won it uh, at one point. Um, this year, uh, different different thing going on. There was a couple of weeks where. Our academy kids uh, played in the Canada Summer Games, um, which left uh, left it to uh, youth players, really young players, to play in our Premier League games. They did well. We just weren't able to accomplish victories in those games. Close, but uh, but not quite there. But but getting back, getting to the academy and talking about uh, the season that we've had, the growth uh, within the academy, um, and and the players that are coming in. Uh, like the influx that's going to be coming this way. What are your thoughts, Jeff, uh, being the technical director of the academy? What are your thoughts for the year? Yeah, I think it's uh, another successful year for, for the group of players. We um, This year, men's premier was, was good, and it's it's, uh, it's a good environment for the players to be in, but it wasn't the focus point this year. Canada Summer Games was. Yeah. And we had 14 of our players survive trials and make that group. So that was always going to be the, the main competitive piece. And um, at the end of the day, men's premier is nice. It's competitive for our players, but we're more concerned about development. And really, you know, whether we win or lose those games, you want to win every game, of course, you play. But if we don't lose, but they've played well, yeah. then that overrides losing. So, yeah, the focus definitely was was kind of summer games. But in the academy group, a lot of out-of-province travel this year, which was great. Um, we had players in Vancouver. We had two different groups in Toronto. We've been to Saskatoon. Uh, I think I'm missing something. Oh, we had a group go to England as part of that Canada Summer Games group. Mm-hmm. So there's been quite a bit of travel for them, and it's something we want to do a bit more of going forward. Um, but it was a good start for that. So, yeah, it was successful. Another good year. Yeah. And uh, the thoughts moving forward with uh, some of the kids that are going to be coming in, mm-hmm. the, the groups, the younger group, the O2s, I, I guess it would be. Uh, how's that group shaping up and looking? Well, so the O2s, we made some changes. We, it's the hardest thing about the academy. I think the hardest thing that any coach, hopefully the hardest thing that any coach has to do is release players. And so we've had to do that. We, we've, we've cut some numbers down, unfortunately. Um, not that it's the end of their careers. It's, they'll just develop in another environment, and hopefully Come hopefully we'll in. see them again. Yeah. So, um, But the O2s, they, were, they, were, they did well. They were at the Canada, uh, the Canada Identification Showcase. Um, they lost three games, one nil. Uh, it's all the MLS teams, and we're the better, better than our neighbors to the west. Now uh, they should have won that game, and they lost one nothing. So, yeah, it's almost like the name that you shall not say. But um, so, so I'm proud of the kids there. Uh, this year's intake is 03s uh, coming in. We've got 18 03s that of that we're going to bring into the group again to be prepared for that. Uh, that kind of soccer identification camp. Uh, so we need to have a full squad of players. Uh, that's what we do now. So we've gone younger uh, last year by the year. We'll continue that trend. Uh, and it's good for players because it gives us four years to work with the player now, the ones that survive the whole whole academy all the way through. And I think we can have a real positive impact uh, with the extra year's time. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And I just got to find uh, some events for them along the way and take them maybe overseas. We'll see. That's always an exciting time with the... Uh with the players coming in and starting up the program again, uh, it's funny because it's it's literally just ended, and it's from a coaching perspective, it's nice to have those afternoons a little bit more open. Mm-hmm. But you're still chomping at the bit. I'm I'm already thinking ahead from a goalkeeping perspective as as to what I'd like to do and the kids that are coming in, the new kids that are coming in, and it's exciting times ahead. I'm 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 very excited about what's going to be happening. 
Yeah, it's uh, it's good. A bit of downtime, but we've got um, our our player parents meeting for the new group is is a week tonight. So there's a ton of planning that has to go in between now and then. Uh, after that, it's curriculum building. It's it's making sure the paperwork's done. It's making sure we have our fields and Adre. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So yeah, it's <laughs> JP, I had a I had a guy come in to fix the photocopier this morning, and of course um, you get this all the time. Hey, I've got a nephew who's just arrived from India and he's really really good. What does he do to get into the academy? And of course I give him the well, he should first start by registering with a team in Amsarisa, and then mm-hmm. you know if if the, if that club deems him fit, he gets you know told that the, the TD of that club will get in contact with. Our people, probably Jeff Paulus, and, and maybe there'll be a, a scout go out and watch the game or whatever. But maybe just for everybody who's listening, so it's a blanket statement. How does a kid get involved with the academy? Well, I mean, definitely the easiest way is for sure, like you said, be, be enrolled in a, in a program within EMSA and ESA. Uh, and, and hopefully get yourself on the team with the coach up leaves in development. Uh, and that's going to give you the tools necessary to get into our program. So that's important. Uh, we rely on, I mean, the easiest route probably, well, the easiest but it's the hardest route, is to, is to um, support Alberta soccer. Uh, do what you can to get into the Alberta soccer mini stars program uh, at first because that's their first look at you. And then after that, try and make that provincial team at U13 and U14 because, you know, our, we don't have um, um, limitless resources. So I travel quite a bit, obviously, with the first team. And so I'm away a lot. And my staff, that's, my staff is all part-time. They, they, they work whenever they run a session. And uh, they'd have to go look on their own time as well. So it's not always easy for us to see every player. So the easiest way is through Alberta Soccer and that provincial program. And then we get great feedback from those coaches. And we can go see all, hopefully, the top players in one spot at one time, which is important for us. Um, after that, though, if there's players that have been missed, that we take phone calls, emails. Uh, if there's a coach that feels strong about a player, they're always welcome to call me, and, and we do our best to get a watch-up player. We also will offer trials to players that we think have a bit of a chance. So we've done that the last month or so now. Um, we've had a lot of players away, so it gave us an opportunity to bring a lot of players in to have a look at. So we've done that with a bunch of 01s and some 2000s. I watched a young 2000 who I didn't know at all um, until he was recommended by Rocky DeLuca. Player came in, played one game in front of me the other night, and I offered him a spot in Extras Academy about two minutes after the game ended. <laughs> so, so yeah, there's late developers, and this kid, I think, has, has some special abilities totally as well. Such a skilled, yeah. good player. Yeah, but that's it. So we'll give trials anytime throughout the year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, of course, I, I would just ask that, that people are realistic and, and when they look at a player and that it comes from the coach and the, and the TD of that club, more importantly. Yeah. Um, because, you know... Every parent a, thinks their kid's the next messy. Yeah, you know, you get a bit of that. I get it, and, and I'm, glad, I'm glad they do, sure, right? Sure, uh-huh. Yeah, I'm glad they to. do. Yeah. And um, But for us, you know, it's it's that old thing that if you keep... If someone keeps recommending you players and the player is never close to the mark, then you're going to stop listening to that recommendation. Yeah. So you just ask if people are realistic. Yeah. yeah. Well, and you've got limited numbers, too. I mean, you can't you can't have 100 kids in your program yet, maybe yeah. one day. But, but at this point, you said off-air, about 45 kids are going to be in your academy next year. Right. I guess there's going to be cases where kids are going to fall through the cracks no matter what. Yeah, that's a great point, Drea. I'm glad you actually said that. So, you know, with our U18 group, for example, that does play a men's premier, we we have we've got 20 players and uh so it's it's game time's important for a player's development as well as the training sessions i mean you've got 20 players to try to bring in one and two more if you bring in a, a great example is if we've got four outside backs right now and um if i were to bring in another outside back how do they all get playing time and that that's my consideration and so sometimes you disappoint players but you're actually looking after their best interest because they need to play and uh, they come into our program, and they're number five in the depth chart. They're not going to play yeah, a whole lot. They'll more from the coaching that they're getting. They from will, hundred percent. Right yeah. Yeah, it's it's and, and same thing from a keeping perspective. You want to bring in enough keepers that they're all getting training. But if 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 they're not getting the game time they need, that's very awkward. I mean, at most two keepers, and you can rotate them a little bit better. But once you get into three and four in each age group then it becomes a little bit more awkward. From a training perspective, for the first portion of it, it's great, but when you come down to the game end of it, some of them aren't going to make, you know, get the opportunity to play, mm-hmm. which is uh, not good. 
So what's the solution to that? Well, again, it's it's like Jeff says, you, you know, you, you you base it on the numbers that you think are going to work, and you try and bring the players in, you know, a, a little bit more position specific. That can change throughout a year. But specifically for goalkeepers, I mean. Oh, for, for, for keepers? Well, then it's just a matter of only bringing in. I, I personally like to have six, three in each age group. That's what I like. Inevitably, throughout a year, someone's going to have a cold, someone's going to get sick, there'll be an injury, but at least you'll always have two keepers for training, for game scenarios that we, we go through and the, the different training scenarios that Jeff puts together that include two keepers. I mean, it's, it's nice to have it, but it's also nice to rotate them a little bit with three. If you have more than that, then it becomes... Mm-hmm. Too much, and you have too many guys sitting out. Not are you finding reps. that the pool for goalkeepers in this province is vast, or are you finding that it's tough? Well, obviously, you're you're you like the six guys you have. Yeah, he actually has selected seven this year. Uh-huh. So, <laughs> so his numbers are so a lot. six is a random number. <laughs> six is a random number. Um, but, but it's funny. It's it's three of the three of the players that we've selected are actually under age uh, to what the group is that we're going to win because of the. Oh, well, they just they just show such an aptitude for the for the position, and and a quality for uh, for what they do. Um, it was I had to bring them in. I just yeah. had to bring them in. And it's I mean Jeff can attest to it too. There's going to be times throughout uh, throughout a span of an academy where you have certain years that just you just don't have the same amount of quality players coming through in an age group. In certain years, and so it may skip two generations before you find the quality that you're after for the academy. Yeah. Yeah. Like what year were you born? Oh, I, I 78. Thanks 78. for, uh, thanks for asking. Yeah. So, they, well, that's, so I was born in 69, which was a really good footballing year that year. And then 78 was, it was a, a good down year. In general, right? 69. 69 was. I was born in 69 yeah. too. It's a good year. And then 78 though was one of the weaker years where you didn't see as many players. So. Well, yeah. easy, easy. I, I, I do have a goalkeeper record in, in Edmonton's uh, EDSA premier division. And I'm happy to announce that it's a perfect unblemished record of go on. No wins, yeah, no draws, <laughs> all losses. Well done. You're welcome, Caledonia Thistle and Ital Canadians. There you You're go. welcome. Oh, I, think I think we won't even get into it, but we do have another goalkeeper amongst our midst here. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> right. That's right. I will tell you, I have a similar record for uh, <laughs> if a ref was on the field, probably the number of red cards <laughs> yeah. that I would have gotten. And, and we but don't I even have refs. We don't It's a classic. So I got the opportunity to be the goalkeeper, and I went to DW, and I said, okay, what do I need? I think it was after the first game, all these guys were running in on breakaways, and I, I'm like, I don't know what to do. And he's like, I think it was you that said, just rush them. If you rush them, they won't. And everybody forgot to say, pull up short. <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's a bit Stop. of a... Uh, yeah. So I kept... <laughs> and I just keep, kept on going over them. And at the end of the day, listen, I have strength, I have weaknesses, I have a certain... You know, skill set. So uh, that's, that's something we can uh, continue on next year. We can help you out in that regard. I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> At least the deceleration portion of the coming yeah. out and attacking people. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, again, excited about the uh, youth program coming up. Uh, I guess we're going to be starting hopefully in September 18th ish is when we'll actually start the training. First, first, first session. First session, which will yeah. be. Uh, Did you say it, September 18th? Yep. Yeah. We, we've got yeah. Clark booked. Do you need to book a field? I'm checking today. I'm checking today when I'm home. Um, yeah. But another aspect of what you did this, uh, this season, Jeff, was to take on the role of head coach for the Canada Summer Games team for Alberta. Mm-hmm. How was that? I mean, because it only comes around every so often. Yeah. And to be part of that, uh, obviously, uh, it was fantastic to be, to be part of that. And then how did that develop as far as the you know, yeah. choice of players? And well, I, mean, how, I don't know how I was named the head coach. I mean, I, I was asked to uh, if I'd work with the group. And when the list came out, I was getting a lot of texts and tweets and whatnot from people saying, well, you know, congrats on the job. I didn't know I was going to be the head coach oh, okay, <laughs> until okay. I actually saw it online. So, <laughs> yeah, which was great. And I really appreciate Sean Lowther and, and ASA for the, for the support in that. So... Um, it was good. It was a it was a chance to work uh, side by side with Sean Lowther for the first time, and, and I really enjoyed that. Um, you know, he sees the game the same way I see the game, and uh, he worked with our defenders. and And uh, if you saw the way the team, the kids built out, you saw what he he lent to the to the program for sure. Um, 
And then Chris Spadell, who I've known forever, and uh, we've worked against each other a lot, and it was the first time really working together. Working together. And, yeah, I mean, I can't, uh, my liver can't take another two weeks <laughs> with Chris Spadell. <laughs> but, um, no, nah, but it was good. So, but as far as the process went, it was great, because we, uh, we had a camp in England for about 10 days, and that was uh, a day after we got back from our camp in England with the first team. So it was, uh, it was a flight home. Uh, quick, a quick nap at home to say hi to Cindy, and then uh, off it went again. Oh my God. But great experience. And um, as far as picking the players, we had 32 that were invited out from the, throughout the province, and we happened to take 14 of ours, which was good for the academy. Definitely. Yeah. And that's yeah. uh, obviously growing on from that, and uh, getting into the competition, finally getting there. And I know the the women's group. Uh, from Alberta it started. They were there for the uh, opening ceremonies and right. uh, for the initial stage, and you guys were able to close out that week. Um, what was it like for the kids? What was the experience of, of being part of the games like? I mean, I know yeah. you, you can appreciate it from that, but once you're actually there and in the uh, the athletes, uh, yeah, athletes' village, and, and yeah, it was awesome because it's um, so again when you're part of a development academy. Uh, I mean, obviously, the kids are driven, they're motivated, they're competitive, which is allow, which allows them to get into our program in the first place. Mm-hmm. And I want to add, the Cal- the four Calgary kids that, that joined us were were top-level players. I'm really pleased with the ones that, um, that joined our program, that, that joined that group. So, uh, but they never really have to play for a whole lot at the end of the day. You know, again, I said, I said earlier that if you lose a game 2-1, but the kids were fantastic and have done everything you've asked, they just couldn't score on the day, mm-hmm. then you accept that as good development and well done. You've played the way we want. This event was a bit different. We still played the way we wanted to. We had a style of play, which was our academy style of play. Uh-huh. They passed the ball. They possessed it. They outpossessed every team they played against. Um, but now you have to win a game because it's not – if you lose 2-1 and played well, it's, you, don't make, you don't make the medal round. Mm-hmm. So it's irrelevant. So the pressure, seeing the kids in a situation where every single moment was a pressurized situation was fantastic because then you see the kids that have what it takes to go on and and maybe play professional football where every game is a pressurized situation. So on the coaching side of it, it was great because, I mean, you're obviously stressed in, you know, in every one of our home games, but you're the assistant coach as well. So you don't have that at the back. You don't have that kind of... There's, there's that little piece missing where you're so stressed, you know, <laughs> y- you are, but you know, totally. you understand what I'm trying yeah, to say, totally. right? It's still mean. a different feeling. Yeah. And, and so this was nice to be back in that where, yeah, you knew that every decision that you made personally was going to have an effect negatively or positively. And yeah, you're either going to mess up or, or get lucky. Mm-hmm. So Serge had a great group of, uh, yeah. uh, of ladies as well that were involved with that, uh, that team, they just were unfortunate not to. They're unlucky. Yeah. The search had a great team. Yeah. Uh, him and his staff did a wicked job. They were so good, actually, those girls. And and coming out of the uh, the first three games, they were, for me, the best team in the tournament. Mm-hmm. And they, I mean, it was nice to see them beat uh, BC. Uh, BC had, I believe, seven or eight of the Super Rex players, players. Actual national team players and the national team staff coaching them. And uh, I thought Serge was was well was does done well to beat them what three 0 or something like yeah, that. Yeah, three nothing. Not that anyone's yeah. counting, but <laughs> <laughs> can but Serge count? I think he can. Yes, he can <laughs> on that day for sure. Yeah. And yeah. S- sticking with uh, obviously the way things ended up with the men's group, mm-hmm. um, made it through the quarterfinals, made it through the semifinals, ended up in the final match against yeah. Ontario, a team you had faced mm-hmm. earlier in the tournament. Also a fantastic game, and you know, uh, unlucky things didn't go in Alberta's favor in that match as well. Yeah, that one was unlucky. I would say, you know, we our worst game is against BC in the quarterfinals. Both teams were, both teams played nervous. The fo- I don't think the football was great to really watch in that game, and um, but our team found a way to win. And sometimes you have a great plan and you want to play great football, but you can't always do that. And so for me, it was pleasing to see the kids find their own way to win. And because uh, that was all them, there was nothing from the bench that that made them win that game, but the, but their own desire. So brilliant, and and they've done that. Um, Ontario, Patrick Tobel was a coach, great guy, really good coach, and, and they had a great team. They had a lot of 99s. They had mm-hmm. 10 99s in their squad. Uh, to the player, I think every one of their players I, I would I would take into our program and our academy. Fantastic group, and the nice thing about Ontario was you could you could have five of those teams. Yeah, Ontario can put five teams of the same quality. They've got so many That's... players, so. 
But they were good. But in the final, I thought we did well to rest players the first time we played them. To, to, I thought we did well to utilize our entire bench. And that was our strategy throughout to keep the team fresh for the gold medal game. I thought we were the fresher team. I mean, Ontario, as good as they were, they sat back and let us play. They, they were scared to attack us. They looked to counterattack the whole game. Uh, we've, their keepers made the save of the tournament off of Steph Gajic, and, and that would have won us a game if yeah. he had scored it, because I think we would have scored one or two more if that went in. And then 78th minute, they um, behind the play, one of their players gets in the face of one of ours, ours pushes him, he makes a meal of it. Uh, the uh, wonderful linesman, who we also see in the NASL, bought it, uh, <laughs> decided once again to, to make the game about him. Yes. And called it back, and oh, they scored. And they scored off yeah. the free kick. That's uh, it was an unfortunate way for it to end, yeah. and uh, but I th- you know, all the kids should be proud of what they did and what they accomplished. And and, and speaking of pride, four of them, from what I understand, from the, the group got selected to the All Star team mm-hmm. as well. Of, of yeah, um, Brennan, uh, Sam, Abe, and Oscar. That's awesome, Miranda. That's yeah. awesome, fantastic. I, I, I know that Sam is from Calgary. Yeah. And the other three boys you named, the goalkeeper and mm-hmm. midfielder. Yeah, Brennan Hebert, Oscar Miranda, and Abe Dukley, all, yeah. all FCE players. And, yeah, fantastic. Abe Dukley, for me, was the player of the tournament. He was yeah. he was the one kid that was special. Yeah. Yeah. Was there any kids? Sorry, go ahead, Jay. I, I just I have a question. I watched the game, and uh, I just want to ask about your coaching style because, you know, you see managers and coaches on the sidelines, and a lot of them are pacing. A lot of them are vocal. Sometimes they're quiet, just pacing back and forth. But I noticed you were, you were sitting down most of the time. Right. Is that something you do in most of your games? You sit down, let them play? Yeah, or? it is. I, I did that at Nate as well, Jay. And um, I'm, I'm just a big believer that, that football is a game of the players and that um, you have a chance to... You have a chance to guide them and how you want them to play, and you have a chance to prepare them to play your opposition based on how they play, and you have that chance from Monday to Friday. But Saturday, Saturday's game day, I, I think that that once you've had your pregame talk, then it's their game, and um, and I just I, have, I trust my players at the end of the day. That's just who I am as a person, and I think that uh, I think it's theirs to create when they go out there. Yeah, it belongs to them at that point, not about me. It's all about the culture of the team. Mm-hmm. Trust being at the very top of that. Yeah, that that's list, right? uh, that's yeah. my philosophy. I, I mean, it's you can obviously you know a little agree with you wholeheartedly on that. One. Yeah, especially the young ones. Especially, I mean, I was that with Nate as well. But these young players, they have to learn to make mistakes, and they have to learn to find their own answers when it's not going their way. So they've got to learn to solve their own problems sometimes. And and I don't want to be a joystick coach. I don't, mm-hmm. uh, especially with young kids. I think you you ruin kids doing that. So, yeah. No, you're right. And, and when you see me up standing and saying something, it's typically just correcting a bit of shape. I just need you maybe to tuck in a bit more. I need you to take a bit more width, or I need you to, to get down the line further. It's stuff like that, but it's, that's it. It's, it's general shape stuff. I got a question for JP. Of, the, um, of your players, were there any kids that were from Edmonton that aren't part of the academy in, no. in the group? No. Okay. No. No, we had the four FCE FCA kids and then the four Calgary kids. Who and, and the Calgary kids were three of them are part of the Calgary, um, like the Calgary equivalent of our program. Okay. That they do with the Whitecaps down there. So yeah. three are three are from them. Now one Sam Gagne, my center back, is just uh, he plays and he's going to be at Calgary this year, University of Calgary. Okay. So he'll be a Dino uh, with Brendan O'Connell. We'll coach him. Who's a great coach, by yeah, the way. Yeah. Good. Yeah, so this kid's a beast. He's you a specimen. You can see him coming up. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's uh, and he usually plays as an outside back. He was fun to he's, watch. He's a beast. And, you know, it's great for the It's not great for the kids, It's but it's a learning lesson for the kid that as the higher level he goes, he plays at, he's going to have people that try to get him off his game because he's such a good player, they want to get under his skin. So, you know, that's a learning lesson for that boy. Yeah. Yeah, which is, is good. I also have a question with regards to the academy kids actually playing. It's off topic of Canada Games, but I right. noticed when your first team trains, you actually have now a lot of academy kids actually playing, mm-hmm. sorry, training with the first team. What value does that provide them, and how do you look at that experience for them? Yeah, it's it's uh, it's invaluable, honestly, Jay. I think the uh, the more that our young boys train with with, with players, professional players that that are. Physically stronger and whatnot, it's it's going to benefit. Uh, it's going to benefit their game. They can take the lessons they learned there and how hard it was and how much they had to compete. Bring that back to academy. The flip side, uh, the flip side is I think it can be good for some of our first team players. To be very honest with you, because our academy kids are pretty pretty savvy in the game off the ball, and um, our kids are always seem to be in the right position. 
and and so I think they bring a, a freshness into first team training. I think they bring quality to first team training, and I, I think they bring an attitude to want to keep the ball, and, and I think that can be useful in our first team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think it's funny because some of the some of those older players they seem to. I don't know. They almost seem to forget the keenness that they had when they first got into the sport at the professional level. And when the kids come into it, they're just so keen and eager that yeah. you hope that translates to the older players. And you, you see it with some of them. Young David Doe, I won't say the defender, but young David Doe turned a player so badly a few days ago in training that I, I went to, I showed up the next morning for the next training session. This player was in the parking lot kind of looking around cars. I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm still trying to find David. So, <laughs> <laughs> so true. So uh, true. And on that note, we're going to take another break. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit about uh, the CanPL, uh, the NASL season and, uh, and anything else we can throw your way. You're listening to Rapid Radio, the official podcast of FC Edmonton. Coming to you live from the sports the sports restaurant known as the First Round. Somebody's had far too much cola today. You're listening to Rabbit Radio, the official podcast of FC Edmonton. And we're back. Rabbit Radio, the official podcast of FC Edmonton. Coming to you here in downtown Edmonton, right next to McEwen, McEwen University, at the First Round Sports Restaurant. Uh, lots of stuff going on. We were talking just the last segment about uh, uh, our academy and uh, the Canada Summer Games team. You know, four four of our players from the Alberta team making that All Star team. Um, kind of leads us in a little bit to the the new league that's coming into Canada, the CanPL, uh, Canadian Premier League, and the thought of how much this will help these younger players by having a professional league within Canada. Um, what are you guys' thoughts in regards to opportunities being open for the younger elite players getting an opportunity maybe at an earlier age to play professional football? It's obviously very important as long as the coaching is, is sound in that league. You know, there, you can only if you if you if you create this league and the coaching isn't up to that level, what are the kids really benefiting? I think uh, you 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 have more access through uh, Twitter and stuff. Just in regards to uh, other coaches and the ones that are out there, you've just seen a batch of coaches from the Canada Summer Games. Do you think the quality's there? Yeah, just in Canada, there's enough Canadian coaches in Canada right now not working professionally that should be working professionally. So, I mean, that, and that would probably you know, alleviate your thoughts to... Well, so, yeah, uh, yeah, I mean, if you can attract them to those jobs, maybe these guys don't want to earn yeah, the, the money that's, that's potentially coming their way in this league. Who knows? I, I don't know what those salaries are supposed to be. I, yeah. I don't know. I think, but, but I think uh, these guys would, might have other jobs that are paying them quite lucratively. Very, very true. I, I would also think, though, that uh, if you have aspirations of being a coach... To get the opportunity to coach a team professionally, that's a pretty huge. It's a sexy. A it's a sexy itself. job title for yeah, sure. Exactly. For sure. And if that is your ultimate goal to to move on and and to get into another league or another level, um, that what a starting point to be yeah. in your own country, uh, earning earning a living, doing yeah. what you love. Yeah, I think. Well, I mean, the point I'm trying to make, I think, it's going to be beneficial for the for the kids, obviously, to get. Get a destination, a focus of what they, a goal to, to try to achieve domestically. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it'll also have a huge effect on coaching in the country and refereeing in the country. I mean, we just talked about the referee we had this weekend. We need more solid referees in this country, and this league potentially could, could help that as well. Oh, for sure. I mean, yeah. I mean the referee we had, Shenard, uh, Schwenard, yeah. uh, she was fantastic. Best we've had all year. She was the best match official we've had the entire season. Yeah. And not even close. Yeah. So if if, uh, if you're listening and you're one of the other ones that have refed us, sorry, but that's a reality. <laughs> she was better than you. <laughs> I even found... Uh, Just looking to not finish the season. <laughs> or at least finish the season up in the stands. But I respect that. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. If... if yeah. uh, Someone does an absolutely fantastic job. You know, right. Why not call them out and, yeah. and, uh, and, and show that appreciation? I didn't say the other ones were bad refs. I just said that this one was better. Yeah. yeah. She was the, right. the most even keel, even calling 
referee. She let she was the play, con- play She was consistent. Yeah. She was consistent. She had a personality, That's uh, which is a forbidden word in, in the CSA for CSA refs, to have an actual personality. So she had all that. She's fantastic. But in this, and then in the same same breath, she wasn't noticeable. She wasn't she wasn't the main focus of the game. The game was the main focus for a change, which was nice. Yeah, I suppose I noticed her quite a bit. There's a lot of cards, and uh, if you've got to if you've got to take control of using cards, you're making yourself part of the game. Well, no, no. I think there's there's a lot of guys that are out there, a lot of referees that are out there that seem they have to be the vocal the focal point. Mm-hmm. And I, 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 what I'm saying is, you still have to make your calls and stuff. But I don't think she was a focal point of what went on. Yeah. Well, we. Do, I mean, we, we, I'm just playing devil's advocate, but we just just discussed. <laughs> there was a lot of cards, but were there any that were uncalled for? We've kind of landed on maybe there was one that kind of should have gone the other way, but yep, other than enough. that, yeah. the cards were. Yeah, not one Justified. decision that changed the game. Not one decision changed the game. No. Can we just go back to the CPL just for sure. a second? I have a question for you. It just seems like, from what I've learned over the past recent couple of months, this is good for development of players, development of, of the technical side, uh, the coaching, mm-hmm. and, and refing now, it seems, as well. I mean, how deep, uh, how positive will the impact of the CPL reach into the minor soccer community? How deep is that going to reach? Yeah, I think I think very deep. Um, I mean, right now, right now, there's four professional academies across Canada where you can send your elite um, elite athlete to go and play, where it's fully funded, and you know that development's being is happening in all four pro academies. This now will expand to 12 to 14 over time different cities in Canada, which will also now provide professional academies uh, a place to go. But what it does is, I mean, growing up for me. Although I never played hockey, I only ever played soccer, but I always played road hockey. And, and even though I never played hockey, I didn't really care to play hockey, I still played road hockey. I still watched it on TV because that was, that was the sport. That was everything. And uh, I always had players I tried to mimic with, uh, with my tennis ball and my hockey stick. And I think what the CPL is going to give minor soccer now throughout the country is, is um, a realistic opportunity for the elite player to go professional. But as these clubs now, because there's going to be more of them, it'll be on TV more, it'll be talked about more, they're going to see these professional players in their communities. And some of these communities are smaller communities, not just Toronto, Vancouver, yeah. and uh, Montreal. Montreal. So, so it's, it's going to now, hopefully you're going to see the same thing we used to see in hockey, where these young kids are out with the ball, and today I want to be Massimo Mirabelli to bring out a great name that from the past, right? For, you like that, that one? Fantastic. But yeah, and I think you're going to see that. So I think, it, I think it's going to be, it's paramount to the growth of the game in Canada. Uh, and I think it's going to give a, a real boost to minor soccer. Yeah, it, it's an exciting prospect all around to have, uh, have this come into fruition. Hopefully next year, it'll be part, and I guess if things aren't officially perfect, uh, they said 2019 was the last uh, thing I read up on it. If you know, because they want to make it perfect, they want this to be a lasting product. And yeah. the last time Canada saw its own professional uh, soccer league was the last time we actually made it to uh, a World Cup as a country. That's very telling, isn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Also, I believe Canada is one of the last few FIFA nations that does not have a, a, a professional soccer league. I think it's only two, us and. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It's also interesting to look at how, so the MLS started with, after, like right after the 94 World Cup, right? right? So all the traction of of the sport was there, and then they kick off this league, and MLS now, at this point, has been very successful, I think, you can look back and say, so that that was probably a a smart thing to do. The the CSA, or the CanPL is looking, I should say not CSA, the CanPL is looking to start their league prior to that 2026 hopeful World Cup that, that Canada will be a the part big, of, potentially. Yeah. Um, is, is that a better way to do it so you can develop leading up to that World Cup and it could benefit your national team? Because that's not yeah. how the U.S. dealt with it, right? They, I right. guess, were confident enough in their their existing squad to to, yeah. to garner that attention. And the they had to promise the league to get the yeah. World Cup. They promised the league would start. So Is that, that what they did? Yeah, yeah. so okay. there was a promise that the league would start. Okay. You know, I Who think did what, the USSF or what? Yeah, the USSF yeah, right. did. 
Uh, but what's important, though, is the, is the start. If, so if the league does kick off in 2018, the important, the, I think the important piece, though, which is similar to 1994, is that the first game will happen within a week after the World right. Cup's ended. Key. So it's going to jump on all the momentum that us watching the World Cup is done because it's the most watched sporting event on the planet. Right, so you're going to have that in Canada, and all of a sudden now you've just watched the World Cup. You're all excited, you know. France has just won it, and uh, <laughs> oh my God, you're dreaming. Right, and then and uh, yeah, so and then and then a week later, you're watching your local professional team play in the brand new right. Camp EL. That's a very good. So yeah. what a way to, or, or, to market. You know, the, the like the final whistle blows on that game, and then oh, you know what? Stay tuned because you're, exactly. here's your what domestic great, league kicking on. That's right. Huge, huge. Yeah, huge. yeah good, you know, call. To, good call. To jump on that wave for. Sure. I've, I've heard that. What I've heard and what I've read is that I believe there will be a greater uh, requirement of domestic players on these on the CanPL teams. Oh, you hope so. So I just want to ask a question. I'm not trying to be controversial, but I think it has to be addressed in the future going forward. Does that give local pro clubs and academies the ability to protect their their kids a little bit more going down in the future? Do you think that that will have an impact? I think it has to. I think it has to. I've said this. I've been vocal about it. Um, that once the CPL starts, uh, this, the Canada Soccer 100% has to step in and create its own territorial boundaries for the professional clubs in its association. That it is the main sponsor of this league. So gone will be the days where the MLS dictates that Vancouver can come in Edmonton and just knock on the door of our players and say you're coming, whether we say yes or no. Yeah. Those days will be over, and well, they have to be over. Regardless of where this kid is signed, like uh, you're, uh, I could see you speaking as the FC Edmonton Academy uh, technical director. Right. If this kid plays for not the academy but plays for strikers you still want 100 percent, 100 percent, because that's what happens in the world now that's not to say if you have an alfonso davies and, and and alfonso davies is in our is is so what what they'll come in and do is say that okay so uh, fc edmonton if it's fc edmonton mm-hmm. i'm just using this as an example uh if fc edmonton so your uh, your territory boundaries are 100 miles um basically around the city center mm-hmm. and that's so no one can come in there now, if you have so if Vancouver wants a player in here, they have to come to FC Edmonton first. That's it, and there's no other discussion that happens after that, which is the way it is anywhere in the world. And now, if you have a player like Alfonso Davies, um, regardless of where you're in the country, I think there's also hopefully there's going to be common sense and says, okay, what's what's the best route for this player? Maybe the best route for that player. I, I have no problem saying right now that that boy made the right decision. Oh, he ended up playing MLS soccer. If he 100%. Had just yeah. he had stalled out in the Vancouver Whitecaps Academy. Different story. Different. Right. Yeah. But but for that kid to go forward in the game, he needs to play at the highest level and, and do what he's doing. And he's done that. So in those situations, fair play. I don't mind that. But for the majority, uh, it, it's the, the system we have right now is just quite simply not fair uh, to clubs throughout the country. And, and can PL will, will change that. Yeah. I want to bring up something else that is important to the front office perspective. And that is, you know, the... Uh, it was announced recently there was some media around, you know, the three-country bid for the World Cup. Yeah, for the World Cup for 2026. 20, yeah. yeah. And, um, you know, that's something that just popped into my head while that was going on is uh, there's, there's got to be a discussion, a friendly discussion here in the city with CSA reps when they come to this city and they say, we're going to put one, maybe two games in Commonwealth. But before we do that, we want you to take care of this local club. And I think that's a discussion that has to happen. Yeah, I like we, that. We, I think I like that's that a discussion. Too. I think that's a discussion on the stadium, the size of the stadium. Okay, I was just going to ask, what, is, what does that mean? What does that entail? Take care it, of the it local means, club. It means, it means uh, uh, take a look at everything the FATH group has done in the city for minor soccer. Mm-hmm. Look at the legacy that they're leaving behind with the academy and everything. Yeah. And you know what? Definitely we'll put maybe one or two World Cup games in here. But you want you to help this local club with their stadium issues. Mm-hmm. That's what needs to happen. <laughs> Tied together. Tied together. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, you know, we're, we're the ones that are, you guys are the ones that are in the ground at the grassroots level. That's where it grows, right? Yeah. We all have to be working together here. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's a good sure. thought. That's, that's a great, great thought. Yeah. It is a great point. The, uh, hopeful I don't want to poke the bear on that, but that's exactly what you were doing. That's exactly what needs to happen. Spot on. 
It, it needs yeah. to happen. Hey, listen, I'm looking at the time here, and uh, we, we've kind of run the segment here. And We're going to end up for, talking till 2026. We could talk till 2026, but I want to thank uh, Jay Ball, the general manager of FC Edmonton, for coming in today. Andreas Morris, Jeff Paulus, as always, for being here. That's right. Jay Ball the Wall. Jay Ball the Wall. And we'll, we'll, we'll touch more on his goalkeeping technique next week. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's a mix of hockey. It's a mix of It was very hockey. It was very hockey and very uh, blocking like, fullback. Lay, lay the shoulder. <laughs> I love Jamie's input as well with his shouts from across the hall there. You, no you've been fantastic. <laughs> He's been fantastic. And, of course, Cindy, who uh, we haven't even mentioned yet today. But, uh, Cindy, thanks for coming in. Hey, Cindy. Hey, hey like hey. to see you at a game sometime soon. <laughs> um, so from all of us here at Rabbit Radio, uh, thanks for listening. And, uh, yeah, we're back. We'll, we'll continue this, and uh, you'll hear more from us in the future. This is Rabbit Radio, the official podcast of FC Edmonton, coming to you live from the First Round Sports Restaurant in downtown Edmonton. Listening to Rabbit Radio, the official podcast of FC Edmonton.